Welcome to the campfire, the only place where friends and strangers alike sit down and tell tales in truth or fiction in exchange of my blessing of their safe travels. Allow me to relight the fire while you relax and listen. Make your mind wander about the reality we live in. The story I'm about to tell you is from a traveler named Erushus. He called this one Chirps from the Chimney. Please allow me to tell you his tale. It's Christmas time in the Appalachians, and the holidays are as big a deal here as they are anywhere else. That being said, Grandpa has had me busy for the last five days. On December 1st, as I lay sleeping off the leftovers of Thanksgiving turkey, which we had been eating all week, Grandpa shook me awake and said we had to get started. I tried to roll over, telling him to let me sleep a little bit longer. He just shook me awake again and told me to get up and help him get the things from the attic. When I asked him what things, he looked shocked. The Christmas decorations. We have to make sure everything is ready for the season. Grandpa has always been a nut for Christmas time. I can remember visiting my grandparents during the holidays and smelling the aromas of the season. Gingerbread, sugar cookies, grandma's traditional fruitcakes, which she usually gave as gifts and tasted better than anything from the store, and the cinnamon miasma of homemade cider. Grandma baked from November 22nd until January 5th, and our house always seemed to contain a pie a cookie, or some other confection that she had whipped up for the season. And while Grandma baked, Grandpa decorated. As we set it all up, I realized the Herculean effort Grandpa must have come into every year to make the house look as festive as possible. Garland was stretched on every eve, mistletoe hung in bushels. Lights twinkled merrily, and the sounds of singing Christmas decorations, as well as the silent wooden Christmas decor, were everywhere. Some of you have asked me what Grandpa does with himself to keep busy. And I'm here to tell you that he's one of the finest woodworkers in the valley. He makes furniture, walking sticks, and many other pieces that he usually sells at the flea market. Especially around this time of year. Even the most jaded child's eyes would often light up at the sight of a deer or a wolf that Grandpa had cozied out of a block of pine or spruce or maple, and many of the intricate decor pieces looked very homey amongst the singing horde of Walmart abominations. After a week of setting up plastic deer, hanging Christmas lights, and nailing garland around the house, I felt tired and a little scrooge why. I had already figured in my head that, come the 1st of January, I was going to have to take this crap down and help him stow it again. Grandpa had thrown up half a Walmart holiday section and a quarter of the local hardware store's holly jolly aisle. I just knew that it would take weeks to get it all back up there, and the thought was making me testy already. I was hanging stockings from the fireplace when I heard the sudden chirp of a cricket. I jumped a little, not expecting to hear the sudden invasion of the insect. I hadn't heard a cricket since the cold front we'd had a few weeks ago. He was a big fellow too. His body was coal black and his legs were long and sinuous. He sounded off again, hopping a little closer to the crackling fire, and I reached slowly for the magazine sitting on the end table. This guy had clearly been hiding amongst the decorations, and I didn't want to have to deal with him until spring. When my hand met resistance, I looked back to see that Grandpa had caught the end of my magazine. Don't do it, boy. It could be the worst mistake of your life. 
I gave him a strange look but relaxed my arm. Sounds like you have some experience with this sort of thing. I said, moving over to help Grandpa with the tree as he prepared to spin another of his yarns. Grandpa put a hand down for the cricket, and it seemed to come to him as though it knew him. It was the worst month of my life, that was for sure. He began putting the cricket on the shoulder of his plaid button-up and beginning his story with his usual flair. Twas the night after Thanksgiving, and all through our home, no one was sleeping because a cricket did roam. The cricket had been waking us up every night for two weeks. No one knew where he had come from. Snow had come early to the mountains that year, and there was never a time when there weren't at least a few inches on the ground after Halloween. A blizzard was coming, and the old-timers were predicting feet of snow for Christmas. Two of my cousins, John and Matthew, were staying with us for the foreseeable future. Their parents were up north and snowbound by a sudden blizzard. They had sent a letter with some money and asked us to look after them until they could get back. We were happy to oblige. Unlike Luke, they were good company. All of us were around the same age, ten or close enough. And we spent our days in the yard building snowmen, having snowball fights, and sledding. It could have been one of the best Christmases of my life were it not for the cricket, and what it brought with it. The cricket was still alive for two very good reasons. The first was that, as everyone in the Appalachians knew, cricket on your hearth, especially at Christmas time, is good luck. My grandmother said so, and my mother and father, not typically superstitious, also said so. Despite its chirping keeping us awake, my parents refused to kill it. They always held firm to the idea that the cricket would bring good luck. But I suspected there was another side to that coin. The other reason was just as simple. We couldn't find him. We suspected that he was in the chimney, but he didn't seem bothered by the heat from our fireplace. My parents assumed he was in a crevice in the stonework. And that's why his chirps were so loud. His chirping would come vibrating down the chimney stack and quaver across the house so we could all suffer his noise. Then, one day, I suppose I finally had enough. It was late, the middle of the night, and the cricket had been sounding off every hour. A single loud chirp that would scrape across my consciousness like a razor and bring me shuddering awake. After seven or eight days of this, I was getting rattled, and the lack of real sleep was starting to make us all a little cranky. No matter how many pillows you put over your head or how hard you stuffed cotton in your ears, or whatever you decided to do to block it out, the sound would shiver into your eardrums and bring you awake with jarring clarity. I had gotten up to get a drink of water when I finally saw the little bastard. I was walking to the kitchen when I heard him chirp. I turned to look at the crackling fire and saw his tiny form dancing in the backdrop. He was just sitting there, warming himself and chirping happily. I reached towards the counter as my hand closed around the flyswatter, knowing I was about to end his reign of terror. I could hear my grandmother's voice whispering that I shouldn't, but my sleep-deprived mind only wanted one thing. I wanted peace, I wanted quiet, and, above all else, I wanted to sleep. The cricket looked up at me as though to ask me if it could help. His body crutched as I brought the swatter down on him, and, for a moment, I just basked in the sudden quiet as I headed back to bed. The silence wouldn't last long, though. No sooner had I climbed back into bed, snuggling down and getting ready to sleep than I heard it again. The merry chirp of the cricket. My eyes popped open, and I looked around my room for the source of the noise. The room was empty, 
filled with the shadows cast by the moon as it played amongst my toys and clothes and other objects hanging around. The chirp had sounded close, though, like it was in the room with me. It had been annoying before, but now it was so loud I could barely stand it. I was getting ready to hunker down, thinking I was imagining things when I saw a small black shape jump closer to the bed. It was framed in the moonlight, its antenna wiggling intently, and its shape was impossible to mistake. I covered my head with my pillow, burrowing under the quilts and blankets I had piled on my bed to keep me warm. They did little to stop my shivering as I lay hunkered beneath them, unsure of what to do next. Was it following me? Was it a ghost? I had left the cricket as a smear on the stones. I didn't know what to make of this new cricket, but its presence had definitely spooked me. When it sounded off beneath the covers, I jumped, scuttling backward as I tried to get some distance between it and me. I could feel something on my face, its pinchy feet scuttling over my lips and cheek, and I slapped my hands to my face trying to wipe it away. It seemed to be one step ahead of my searching hand, though, and when I felt the legs touch my ear, I slapped at the side of my head hard enough to make my ears ring. Despite my ringing ears, I still felt the cricket slide into my head, and my horror made me shudder in silence. I felt the tears leak from my eyes as the sharp tweet of the cricket came from right inside my ear, sounding huge and deafening. I didn't sleep a wink that night. I was too busy hearing the cricket as he chirped inside my head. I woke up groggy and scared, unsure if it had all been a dream or if any of it had actually happened. I stuck my finger in my ear and rooted, not feeling anything. The chirping was gone, and by the light of day, I could believe that it was all just a dream. I could hear people talking quietly in the living room, and I rolled out of bed, ready to start another day of fun. My cousins were up already when I staggered into the living room. They were sipping mugs of heavily doctored coffee and looking at the snow as it came down. As I stood watching the fresh powder fall, I winced when a sudden loud chirp blistered my eardrum. I was on the verge of hyperventilating, having to come to terms with the fact that it had indeed been real. My eye felt like they might bug out of my head, and I staggered back a step as I clutched my ear. What's wrong with you? John asked, looking at me strangely. Cricket, I gasped, putting a finger in my ear and shaking it. I felt nothing, and nothing came out, but I knew what I had heard. I know, isn't it great? Matthew asked, first good night's sleep I've had all week. I didn't hear the little bugger all night. Me either, John agreed, and they clinked their cups together in celebration. I was glad they had slept well, but it appeared my troubles were just beginning. The snow came down, pilling high enough to cover Daddy's truck, and Mama was afraid that they would be snowbound soon. We had lots of supplies laid in, but with five of us living there 24 hours a day, the supplies were likely to only last a few weeks. We were just kids, though, and while my parents worried about supplies, we played in the snow. I had hoped that the cold might deter the cricket, maybe even draw him out, but I never felt him stir all day. What I did feel was his ear-piercing chirp at random times throughout the day. When I came inside later, I had developed a slight twitch from the sudden and unpredictable chirps of the cricket. As the day persisted, my mother became concerned at the jumpy, twitchy way I was starting to act. The chirps were like an ice pick in my head, and I knew that I wouldn't sleep a wink that night for the noise. As I lay awake later, hearing a pair of crickets chirping at odd intervals, 
I remembered the cricket's chirps in the living room as a happy memory. The next week was a bit of a blur. I lived in a state of constant pain, and I don't think I slept more than a few minutes at a time. Sometimes the thing would chirp ceaselessly, making my head ring like the inside of a bell. Sometimes he would lure me into a false sense of security by not chirping for hours, only to chirp loudly just as I would drift off to sleep. Sometimes it would sound like one cricket, and sometimes it would sound like a whole swarm of crickets that hopped and chirped inside my head. By the end of that first week, I was ready for the funny farm, and I worried that my life would never be the same again. Luckily for me, Grandma came through again. After seven straight days, the snow was halfway up the windows. It had been falling steadily, and a real blizzard was brewing outside. We had all been kept inside as Daddy tried to keep the front door clear, and my cousins were reading or playing with toys as I slowly went mad. I was sitting in the corner, the twitching becoming worse by the day, and everyone had started avoiding me. I had deteriorated mentally since the cricket had gotten into my ear, becoming a prisoner in my own body. I shook, I made strange noises, I pissed my pants sometimes, and I seemed to cry ceaselessly. I had seen a kid at school once that had fits, and he had sat in the back and twitched just this way. I remember being scared that I would be like this forever, and I remember praying to God to help me get this cricket out of my head. As if in response, the door burst open, and my grandma came in with a bundle of firewood under each arm. Grandma had come from her house to ours, and no one quite knew how she had made it with two large stacks of firewood. Mama had my cousins take the firewood and set Grandma by the fire. She didn't immediately see me, but her eyes grew wide and concerned when she did. She didn't say anything then, but she came to my room after my parents and cousins went to bed that night to talk to me. What have you done, love? She asked as I lay in bed. I turned my weeping eyes to her and stuttered out the whole story. I told her about the cricket, the constant chirping, the erosion of my mental state, and she sat nodding. I explained it through the chirping explosions of my head's house guest, and she seemed ready to weep with me every time I twitched. She took it all in, and when I was done, she got up and said she needed some things from her home. It may take me some time to get the things I need, but I think I can remove this curse from you. Stay strong, love. I'll be back as quickly as I can. For the next three days, I neither ate nor slept. Mama fussed over me, trying to get me to eat something. Daddy thought I had gone stir-crazy and told her to just wait and see if I snapped out of it. My cousins were curious but ultimately grew tired of watching me lie on my bed and drool on my quilts. Inside my head, the crickets were the only ones who kept me company. Their chirping grew more erratic as time went on. Mama changed my clothes when I messed myself but eventually just left me naked with a towel under me. I don't remember much about those days. I mostly just existed. Mama was getting worried about my grandmother too. She just left out into the snow without a word. What happens if she freezes out there? Don't worry, Buck. My dad would say, Mom's been living on this mountain for a very long time. She knows how to come and go without much fuss. I hoped, in as much capacity as I could hope, that he was right. Grandma couldn't get lost in the mountains, could she? I had seen her navigate these hills with ease in any season. The thought that she could get herself lost was laughable at best. But the thought that Cricket could infest my mind had seemed silly too a few weeks ago. Then, sometime in the wee hours of the fourth day, I looked up, and she was there. 
She picked me up as easily as a rag doll and took me through the dark house. The boards creaked sleepily and the snow patterned gently on the windows. I could hear the sounds of my family as they snored around us. And if they heard us, they never stirred. She took me into the bathroom and locked the door, setting me into the heavy tub that had been Daddy's wedding present to Mama all those years ago. She poured in water, cold and fresh, as she opened her bag. She also had several buckets of lukewarm water, and I felt my skin break out in goose prickles as I lay there in the semi-warmth. Hold still now and don't interrupt me, she said, pouring in a packet of dried something. She sprinkled me with dust, with herbs, with salves, and even something that stunned my eyes and made my skin tingle. She chanted as she did it, and I could see the flicker of flames as she spoke in her grandmother's tongue. As she called it, she spoke something long and musical, something deep and winding. And as I felt a wriggle in my ear, I sucked in a ragged breath. It felt like someone was pulling steel wool out of my head. And I gritted my teeth as I waited for it to be over. Suddenly I heard a loud plop as it fell into the tub. I turned my head to look, but she hissed at me to be still. She likely knew what was coming next, but I was unprepared for the sudden torrent. My ears began to buzz, and my head felt like it might burst. I could hear the ringing of a thousand different crickets and felt them pouring out and filling the tub. Their feet and antennae scrapped at my ears. Their shrill cries made me want to scream, and as they fell into the water, I heard them tweet in pain as they drowned. My grandmother lifted me out suddenly, holding me close as the sounds of dying insects grew louder and louder. When it finally stopped, we cried together, and my ears were mercifully quiet. I looked at him, the firelight twinkling in his eyes as he came back from that long ago Christmas time. So your grandmother cured you? I asked. Well, sort of. I've had a persistent ringing in my ear ever since, but the chirping was indeed gone. A few days later, and I was back to my old self though I could still swear I heard the phantom cricket sounds for about a week after she took the curse off me. My eyes went a little wide then. The cricket cursed you. Grandpa nodded. It was all that Grandma could figure. The little critter had been killed needlessly, and instead of good luck, it had bestowed a curse instead. Grandma said I had been lucky she came around. The crickets in my head would have eventually become too much, and I would have probably died or gone too crazy to ever come back. I looked back to the cricket, now showing a bit more respect. What will you do with that fellow? Grandpa told me to follow him, and he took me back to his room. In his bathroom, the whole thing wrapped with a towel to keep the cold out was a small mesh cage that contained about five or six sluggish crickets. They nibbled at potato slices, drank water from a dish, and hopped around the wood chips on the floor of the cage. Grandpa added his new friend to the cage and smiled at me as he closed the little door. I'll take them to the woods when it gets warm, the ones who last the winter. I always release them come spring so they can bring luck to others next winter. I hugged him then, glad he had saved me from something similar to the fate he had endured. And he patted my back happily. Now come on, he said after a few minutes spent listening to the crickets tuning up in their cage. We have to make this place ready for Santa Claus. I met him once. Did I ever tell you about that? And as we went back to our decorating, he told me about a night in Alaska where he had indeed met the jolly old man himself. From all of us at Grandpa's cabin, nestled deep in the North Georgia mountains. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.
May the crickets on your fireplace bring you luck in the years to come. Now, that was the end of my tale. I hope you enjoyed yourself, listening while escaping the world you live in. That is all for today. Safe travels, and a blessed day.